Listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. It is 919, and that means it's time to join Team DET. Our spring fundraiser stops the moment we reach our goal of $275,000, and we're aiming to get there without interrupting the programs you rely on so much. So join the team by renewing your support today or becoming a new member now at WDET.org. And remember, when we hit the number, we'll stop the fundraiser and we will stop interrupting programs like Detroit Today or Morning Edition or All Things Considered. Help us out at WDET.org. All right. Uh, after months of wondering whether Republicans could come up with something to replace Obamacare, we have our answer. GOP lawmakers have released a plan that isn't so much a repeal of the federal health care law, but one that keeps its most popular parts and dismantles the parts that aren't so widely popular. But in doing so, critics say the proposal amounts to a really big tax cut for the rich, which likely means shifting costs onto the poor and the elderly. Politico healthcare reporter Jen Haberkorn joins us from Washington, D.C. to tell us what's happening on Capitol Hill and the likelihood that we will see these pass. Uh, also joining us now is Marianne Udow Phillips, director of the Center for Healthcare Research and Transformation. Marianne and Jen, welcome to Detroit Today. Great to be Hi. here. Yes. Uh, Jen, I want to start with you. Uh, update us on uh, where we are with this, this bill, what it, what it says it would do at this point, uh, and what the likelihood of it going further than this committee actually is. So House Republicans released the bill on Monday night, and they started markups Wednesday morning. Um, it's now about 24 hours later, and at least one of the committees is still in debate. Um, they've actually stayed up all night, uh, like college students, uh, uh, voting on amendments to this piece of legislation. Um, but, you know, overall, it's kind of landed with a thud. Um, a lot of conservative Republicans say that this is just Obamacare light and they're not going to support it. A couple moderate Republicans say that it doesn't do enough to protect the most low-income people, particularly people on Medicaid. And a lot of the advocacy organizations involved in healthcare, such as all the major hospital associations, all the major physician organizations, say that they would not support this either. So as of right now, Republicans are kind of swimming upstream with this bill. Um, they still plan to push forward with it and mm -hmm. move it toward the House floor. Uh, Speaker Paul Ryan's strategy at this point is, you know, put it on the floor and tell Republicans, you know, this is Obamacare repeal. If you don't vote for it, you have to go home and say that you didn't support Obamacare repeal. Right. Uh, the, the the political opposition to this, I think, has lined up very interestingly. As you point out, you've got a lot of conservative Republicans who say it doesn't go far enough. Uh, you've got a lot of other people, advocates uh, for the various constituencies who benefit from health care reform, lining up saying it goes too far and, and pushes us back. To, to to where we were before the ACA, mm -hmm. uh, that seems a recipe for, for, for real trouble in terms of votes on the floor and certainly votes in the Senate, which I think is not as uh, enthusiastic about all of this. Oh, absolutely. Um, but, you know, with major pieces of legislation, particularly something as controversial as this, it's much easier to say that you're against it than for it. Um, 
And, you know, there's a lot of stuff to be against in this bill. You know, the the conservatives who say, you know, this is really just replacing Obamacare with a different kind of entitlement program. Um, they're, you know, they are very strident in their opposition. And the moderates, um, you know, are very concerned that they're going to go home and folks who benefited under the Affordable Care Act are going to say, you know, you took away my coverage and didn't really replace it with anything that equates with it. Um, you know, when, when the Affordable Care Act passed, there was a lot of opposition among Democrats as well. There was a lot of Democratic infighting. Um, at that time, it was, you know, do you do a public option or Medicare for all or stick with the private system? Um, we are very early on in this legislative process. So, um, you know, can Republicans come together and, and get this through? Um, you know, as of right now, the odds are kind of against them. Um, that being said, a lot of Republicans have campaigned for several election cycles that they promising were promising the Affordable Care Act. Sure, including including uh, the House Speaker uh, Paul Ryan, who has who has made this Absolutely. a centerpiece of of his leadership. Uh, uh, talk about what the White House has said so far about this particular legislation. This was also, of course, uh, uh, a big part of President Donald Trump's campaign last year that he would. Uh, get rid of uh, the, the the things that people don't like about the ACA and replace them with things that he said would cover just as many people. What what do they think about what the House has come up with? So it's interesting because Donald Trump originally tweeted right after the bill came out that this was the start and um, this bill was open for negotiation, which really wasn't the you know strident endorsement that some of the law supporters or the bill supporters might have wanted. Um, but since then. Uh, he has put out his HHS secretary, Tom Price, who gave it a very strong endorsement. Um, the vice president is going to be traveling to Kentucky on Saturday to back the bill. Uh, Kentucky's home to one of the best-run Obamacare exchanges, yes. as well as the home of Senator Rand Paul, which is kind of who is leading the um, conservative uprising on the Republican side. Um, so the White House has come up very aggressively in the last couple of days, making clear that you know this is going to be the basis of repeal of the Affordable Care Act, um, and everyone has to get on board. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guests are Jen Habercorn. She's a healthcare reporter with Politico, and Marianne Udow Phillips, who is the director of the Center for Healthcare Research and Transformation. We are talking about the bill in the U.S. House to radically alter the Affordable Care Act, what it covers, what it uh, mandates that we do, uh, what kind of tax credits uh, are attached to the activities that surround health care. Uh, we're talking about what that bill looks like and what the likelihood of it passing is. If you want to join the conversation, give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number. That's 313-577-1019. What do you think of the efforts to change the Affordable Care Act? Do you think it ought to be changed? Do you think this is the change we need, what the House has come up with? Uh, or do you think that it's actually working just fine and that we ought to let it have a little more time in place before we start uh, tweaking it or talking about repeal? You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll work your comments into the conversation. Uh, Marianne, you and Al Phillips, I want to get to you uh, to talk about what this bill would do from a uh, from a patient perspective, uh, the people who the people who uh, saw benefit from the Affordable Care Act uh, seem to be the ones 
who would suffer, I suppose, is the is the right term uh, under under what the House is proposing. Right. So, you know, of course, it's a complicated bill, and there are some people that might actually see some benefits uh, under this proposal, and they are particularly people who are very high income. Uh, there's there are big tax breaks in here for people who are high income, and um, people who are very young and healthy uh, might actually get a tax credit that is a little more generous and could cover the cost of, of health care coverage. But for the most part, most of the people who are currently in the health insurance exchange uh, and who really need that coverage will face higher costs under this particular bill. So people who are older, uh, people who are not healthy, people who are low income uh, would face many more challenges in affording health care coverage under this uh, bill, because both because the tax credits would be probably less generous to them and also really importantly because the bill would eliminate these cost-sharing subsidies, half the people who got coverage in the health insurance exchange get cost-sharing subsidies, which make it really important and to enable people to actually afford care once they get coverage. And and uh, this is this is the the sort of tension I think that surrounds this whole issue is this question of care and access versus cost. Uh, the, the 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 people who were behind the ACA focused on access, right? They right. focused on the idea that there were so many people in the country who had no ability uh, to even visit doctors, really, uh, without without a huge expense because they didn't have insurance. Uh, but they didn't focus so much on what kind of cost controls could bring down the, the, the cost of health care generally. Now you have uh, a party in charge of both the White House and Congress that I think is a little more focused on the cost end of it and trying to say, uh, let's let's bring cost to individuals down, uh, but that of course then uh, that eats into the access question. I mean, is there is there a balance to be struck there, or is it really one or the other the way that the political uh, the political infrastructure has has positioned this? Well, I think we have to be clear on what we're, we mean when we talk cost, right? So in this. Frankly, I think this law is designed to bring down the cost to the federal government, not to consumers, not to, consumers. Not to the people who need care. Uh, in fact, it will clearly raise the cost for many people who are unhealthy and who are low income. So there's nothing in this proposal, and part of that is because they're doing this through the re- budget reconciliation process, but there's really nothing in here that actually lowers the cost of health care. It simply transfers more of the cost of health care to consumers. Uh, and in, on, with the Medicaid changes, it'll transfer more of the cost of the Medicaid program to the states. So there's nothing here that actually absolutely lowers the cost of health care unless you believe that pressure from the states and consumers will cause health care costs somehow magically to come down, which it never did in the prior iterations of health care coverage in this country. Right. Uh, Jen Habercorn of Politico, I want to ask you before uh, we let you go, the, the promise here on the campaign trail and for a long time has been that that the people who have coverage won't lose it uh, and that people will pay less overall. Uh, that's a big that's a big set of promises. Uh, how close does this bill come to actually delivering on that? Yeah, it's a huge promise. And if you remember under the Affordable Care Act debate, a lot of the promises that President Obama made uh, became political liabilities yes. because... Um, it is so hard in healthcare to make 
um, such a blanket promise. Um, and everything that went wrong in the healthcare system over the last couple of years, critics blamed on Obamacare. Um, and, you know, Republicans don't seem to have learned that political lesson um, because, like you said, Donald Trump has made these promises that there will be health care for everybody. Everybody's premiums will go down. Um, and, and that's just... Um, you know, a little outlandish. Um, this bill does not require everybody to have insurance. Um, and it's almost certain when the official estimates come out next week that less people will be covered under this bill than under the Affordable Care Act. Now, Republicans say that's, you know, freedom in that people have a right to not have insurance if they don't want to have it. Um, of course, there's some folks who would say that they want to have insurance and it's just out of reach um, financially. Um but then there's also the question of cost. I mean, yes, if you are young and healthy and, um, you know, uh, if, if, you, if you go to your insurer and you're 27 years old and you've never been sick a day in your life, you will be able to get insurance for probably very cheap under this bill, particularly if you don't want extensive coverage. But if you're 64 years old and, um, uh, you know, expensive, the insurer can, co- can um, you know, charge you more, especially if you haven't had insurance coverage before. Under this bill, if you don't have insurance, insurers can charge you a 30% penalty for not having coverage. So there's definitely going to be costs for particular folks under this bill. Yeah. Okay, Jen Habercorn of Politico, thank you very much for being here on Detroit Today. Great to talk with you. Absolutely. Uh, And we're going to continue our conversation now with uh, Marianne Udall-Phillips and you, the listeners. Give us a call. What do you think of the bill to replace or repeal or alter the Affordable Care Act? Uh, Are we going in the right direction? Are we we seeing changes that will actually improve health care reform for consumers, for the government, for maybe hospitals or insurance companies? What do you think of what the House Republicans have in store for us. 313-577-1019 is the number to join the conversation. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today and we will work your comments into the conversation. Let's go to Carolyn in Royal Oak. Carolyn, welcome to Detroit Today. Well, I'm glad to be here, and I'm glad you're talking about this. I think the only plan, and after they're doing, and they'll be doing it for a long time, the only way to do it cheaper is single-payer universal health care. And, and you, I mean, you know, we've had that debate for some time in this country. It never seems to get past this idea that somehow... Uh, Carolyn, that's socialism. That that is, and that's of course a dirty word in 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 American politics. That somehow that removes too much of the individual freedoms that we assume we should have uh, with regard to to choices like our health care. Uh, what what's your answer to that, Carolyn? I think if there's a need, we as a human being uh, take care of that need. Yeah. Yesterday, my friend fell over on her porch and, and did a little fracture to her pelvis from that windstorm. You know, people don't control their health. They need support. And we want to have uh, independent people able to work and everything else. Yeah. Uh, Carolyn, great point, and uh, thank you very much for calling and, and making it. Uh, Marianne Udall-Phillips, 
as I said, it, it seems like that kind of discussion, the discussion to move further along the path that the ACA kind of started, uh, is dying in American politics, that, that we never really get to that space because of the political hurdles. Uh, at the same time, is there, any, is there any other way that we could have universal coverage and reasonable cost uh, under a, a system that is uh, somewhat, uh, somewhat government-sponsored, but then parts of it are, are market-driven? Right. So, unfortunately, the current debate in Congress is moving us further away from that conversation and will actually, I think, make these complexities of the system much, much worse. But you're right. We could have had a system that was closer to that, and that was the idea of having a public option included in the Affordable Care Act. And that was something people were considering last fall when people thought the election was going to go in a different direction. And that would have given people the option to uh, buy into Medicare and Medicaid when you couldn't arrange a competitive market. And so I think that's really the closest we can come to a middle point that would you know, fit sort of American politics. Um, but we're certainly going in a different direction right now. Yeah. Okay, let's go to Jason in West Bloomfield. Jason, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi, Stephen. Hey, how are um, you? Yeah, I just wanted to make two points. Uh, first of all, um, both in regards to the uh, uh, previous commentator from Politico, um, first of all, that the costs of healthcare actually do bend down over time. I mean, take a look at how much it costs to get an MRI, you know, 20 years ago, right? So, I mean, costs do bend down over time. Mm-hmm. And second point is that she made the comment that um, the, the new bill, which I, I don't know how I really feel about it, but the fact is she said that it shifts the costs from government onto consumers, mm-hmm. that in reality the government doesn't have any money of its own. The government has taxpayers' money, and so it shifts – the cost from taxpayers onto consumers. So yeah. I just want to make make sure that that point was was highlighted. Right, right. I mean, it's it's you know it's a question of how you pay, I suppose. Right. Uh, in, in the end, it's a question of whether you pay out of your pocket for these things or whether you pay taxes that help cover some of those costs. Uh, the the thing we we haven't been able to get to, I think, is is whether we can make all of it cost less. Uh, and I'm not sure, I, I guess I'm not sure that that's possible or even the most desirable uh, end so much as trying to make sure that everybody has access. But but Jason, uh, thank you very much for calling and, uh, and making those points. Let's go to Chris in Clinton Township. Chris, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you. Uh-huh. I, I just had a question as far as uh, the Democrats go. If if anybody's actually paying attention to C-SPAN in the past 24 hours, they've uh-huh. been having a discussion on ways and means of getting this bill actually going through the DOB to get, you know, uh, uh, priced out, right? Uh, out of this, a hundred amendments have been yeah. issued, and it's been close to 26 hours they've been in this meeting now Mm -hmm. with absolutely no rebuttal against the bill itself except for against the bill they're not trying to amend any parts of it they just want it abolished they don't want to deal with it and i was wondering if if the democrats do have a, a a structured plan on how to change what they agree is wrong with it yeah. yeah, it's a great question, Chris. And and I think uh, one of the things that we're witnessing is the way that a minority party 
if, is is sort of positioned, especially in the House, where where it is raw majorities that get to decide things. Uh, the Democrats are have been shut out of this process. They weren't included in the talks to try to craft this bill. Uh, they weren't in included in the debate uh, on the floor about this bill in terms of what their ideas might be. And so now they're, they're left in a position of saying just no or, or trying to, to obstruct all of this. They're not the first party to do it. I mean, if you think about, uh, think back to uh, when the ACA itself was being debated, the, the Republican position was not, hey, here are some ideas to make this bill better. The Republican position was, we don't want to do this at all. Uh, and they, they did everything they could, but being, again, the minority party, uh, they didn't have a lot of options in the House, at least. Um, they did everything they could to try to to try to slow it down or to try to to try to block it. I think, and, and I agree with you that it's not a great it's not a great way to govern. Uh, it is though the sort of manifestation of the deep cleaves I think we see in our in our political environment uh, right now. But but Marianne Udall Phillips, I'm curious if if you know of. Uh, democratic ideas to try to improve the ACA that are maybe not getting, not getting any oxygen in this debate. Well, yeah, as I said, I think there were a lot of Democrats who wanted to come back to the idea of including a public option. Yes, and uh, you know that was uh, certainly not being <laughs> discussed in this particular uh, situation we're in right now. Uh, there were other things I think that the Democrats really did agree. Some of which were on the regulatory side. Uh, things like limiting special enrollments, which were causing some instability in the insurance markets. One of the biggest issues that we saw that created some of the instability in the fall, frankly, was the fact that the risk uh, systems, that the risk adjustment systems and the stabilization programs that were put in place were never fully funded by Congress. Those were cut almost from the outset. Uh, it was uh, a, a bill that Marco Rubio actually introduced to reduce the funding that would provide stability to health insurers. I think the Democrats would have liked to have seen those programs more fully funded so that the markets could be more stable and extended for a longer period of time. So I think you would have seen discussions like that uh, happening. Uh, some people have talked about those on the side, but they're mostly not occurring right now. Yeah. Okay, uh, Marianne Udall Phillips, the director of the Center for Healthcare Research and Transformation. Thank you very much for being here Happy to do on it. Detroit Today. Uh, we will catch up with you uh, in the future to talk more about what the House and Congress and the President end up doing with the ACA. All right, up next, we're going to talk about the future of the EPA and funding for the Great Lakes. Also, how does the grid, the electrical grid, sort of play into the things that we saw last night with massive outages all over? Southeast Michigan, Nick Schreck, of the director of the Transnational Environmental Law Clinic at Wayne State University is here. Stay with us on Detroit Today. Mm-hmm.